0: There's a certain jubilation, I think anytime you go into the stadium for the first time in a year, um, and and that was definitely in in the air at Audi field at least at least for my family. Uh, the four of us took the metro down and you know walked from from mem Street down to uh, down to Audi field and went in and saw Talon right off the bat, so you know like kids were feeling good early. Uh, ran into town went to the new kick zone, uh, kids area, and the kids bounced basketballs and kicked soccer balls. And at one point, my two-year-old ran. The, so the, the, there's a mini pitch in the kick zone. And the way into it is through gates in the goal at either end. And one end is just a wall. But it turns out there's a little bit of space between the edge of the, the walls of the mini pitch and the walls of the structure and he is small enough to fit into that gap and boy did he ever he he ran through it and went to a place where no adult could reach him and we had to coax him out <laughs> like a two-year-old does that
1: uh it's a little different from my my experience at the stadium which is uh i actually parked at the same time as brian strauss so we were wandering up Love Brian Strauss. we we briefly saw the area you're talking about, the new area in the stadium. Um, but I, I don't think Brian knew that that stuff was in there, but the door was open. People were coming in and out. So he's like, what is this? And I was like, oh, there's a bunch of stuff in there now. Um, and he just sort of like stood and stared at it for, you know, a solid five seconds, just sort of like, wow, there's like a mini field. There's like basketball, it looks like. Um, okay. All right. And then we uh, we continued on for the rest of the otherwise unremarkable path to the press box but it was definitely <laughs> a like oh yeah if you're not here on like an every single game uh basis you might not have known that a lot of stuff changed at the stadium this off season
2: um, yeah i, I only knew it
0: was i only knew it was there because of the jersey reveal event where they right showed it all off yeah
2: do we want to I, I had a uh pretty decent experience with the game as well actually watching it uh, being able to stream a DC United game uh, <laughs> that didn't crash or uh, have weirdness or and was broadcast on reputable uh, platforms—it was an experience that I have come to expect in every year since 2010, save one.
0: And that year is now over. Hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United, and actually going and watching Soccer Games podcast. I'm Adam Taylor. They are Ben Bromley and Jason Anderson. We are all from blackandredunited.com, where we cover DC United, and that's what we're talking about tonight. Unfortunately, despite the jubilation of, of going into the stadium for the first time this year, DC United fell at home 2-1 to one to the Colorado Rapids to open the year little bit disappointing there we'll talk about that game in some detail uh in this episode and then later in the week watch your podcast feeds for the second episode where we will preview the upcoming game this weekend against uh inter miami watch that one saturday at three thirty again at audi field if you can't make it it'll be on wjla news 24 7 news channel 8 if you're nasty mm-hmm. um and streaming at dc united.com which is uh A very nice thing. Uh, I had to leave the game a little early because young kids um, and managed as we walked back to the Metro to stream the game on my phone and watch it, you know, check in every now and again when I wasn't crossing a street. Um, And, you know, unfortunately, got to see the game winner for for Colorado, but got to watch soccer on my phone as it was happening, which was a nice touch before we talk about anything else, though. Jason, what are you drinking?
1: Uh, I am drinking National Women's Soccer League sponsor Budweiser.
2: Well, Bud then. Light, Bud Heavy, Bud, Bud Ice, Weiser.
1: Bud Light is not the sponsor. The Budweiser is the sponsor, so that is okay. the beer that I'm drinking. It is a uh,
0: brand sponsor, not a corporation
1: sponsor. Is what that would saying. be
2: pretty nuts if Bud Ice like sponsored a league?
1: I would be that, for it. What are what's the league that Bud Ice should sponsor?
0: The XFL probably. Unfortunately the XFL. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is the correct and possibly only answer. Um, uh
1: what about the NASL?
2: Yeah. Uh maybe.
0: if there was if there was a rock and jock <laughs> league, if for for those of you who are old enough to remember MTV in the nineties, they had these rock and jock not... baseball and basketball games. There may have been a flag football game at some point, but it was very silly, kind of pro-am. Uh real athletes and random celebrities playing these games and it was it was always very fun they do them once a year and it was i thought they were very fun it was a a silly approach to it which was correct but i should have sponsored those because they actually existed back then uh i myself am drinking a marg because i had lots of limes top shelf limes in fact and uh needed to use them so made a marg
2: Where do you get top shelf limes in? Do you not remember this conversation? A top
1: shelf,
0: a a lime by definition is a top shelf lime.
1: I was going to say, where do you get top shelf limes? And it would be on the
2: top shelf. Well, well, that's (laughs) also true.
0: (laughs) I was making a reference to an episode some number of years ago because it stuck in my mind that I think you, in fact, Ben said that the definition of a top shelf lime is a lime.
2: That sounds like something I would have said.
0: It's not lime juice. In a little right. lime-shaped plastic thing. Anyway, Ben, what are you drinking?
2: Uh, I'm drinking uh, another one of Aldi's finest, in air quotes, wines. Uh, I'm on the search for uh, for that right combination of I don't want to pay money, but also want something drinkable. And this Chianti was a swing and a miss. <laughs> At four ninety nine, I probably should have seen that coming.
0: Honestly and you know it's not like this is a chain that needs my buzz marketing but Trader Joe's has not not I'm not talking about 2 buck chuck but they have some other wines that are very cheap and and quite drinkable
2: So does Aldi the problem is that Aldi is half a mile from my house and Trader Joe's in Richmond is in Short Pump which is a terrible place to go to uh, and I choose not to
0: Well then you Get your Chianti.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, I could've I could have paid seven, eight, nine, ten dollars for wine at Aldi, and next time I will, but <laughs> I didn't this time.
1: Look, uh, much like much like my experience with Cook's champagne, uh, sometimes yeah. you have to say, look, maybe, maybe this dollar or two dollar less is is still comparable. And you know, sometimes it's not. <laughs> Cook's yep. famously not don't Um, drink cook champagne. Sorry. Apologies to cooks, uh, the company, but
2: like, like
1: like, make a bad champagne. guys.
2: Yes. Spend the extra $2 and go to Andre. Yes. Okay. Then,
0: uh, to the soccer, which didn't end up how any of us wanted it to go. DC United falling to the Colorado Rapids, courtesy of a stoppage time winner by Jonathan Lewis. Um, Mm -hmm. Russell Knauss opened the scoring on the hour mark off of a corner kick, but Kai Kamara uh, equalized just seven minutes later to set the stage for Lewis's game winner, um, which was the definition of a scramble in the box. Um, because I am an eternal optimist. I want to start with, with some positives from this game. We, we did see some flashes of what we think Ben Olsen wants to do this year, uh, particularly the four, three, three, um with some interchange between Flores and Gressel there wasn't a lot of it but we saw a good 20 minutes of how this is supposed to work Jason
1: yeah um it took the first 20 minutes of the game to get to get going um there was definitely a it's the first game of the season feel from both teams and when you throw in the fact that it's extraordinarily windy uh for the entire game um not oh cold oh so yeah. cold I mean, I assume the Rapids are pretty used to that. Um, But uh, the wind, I think, was a big factor in the early going. And both teams were just like, let's make sure we get through this first 20 without doing anything stupid. Um, And no one did anything particularly stupid. And so nothing really happened for for the first 20 minutes of the game. Um, And DC didn't take that risk, that this, this idea comes with an inherent risk when you've got a structure, but then you've got one player... Dip, drifting inside, and then another player starts to pull outside, you start to leave gaps behind you. And it, it's for good reason. You want to create things, but you're taking a risk by making that, adding that fluidity. There's a reason why defensive teams don't generally play with much fluidity. It's because it's safer not to. Um, but once they got a feel for it, um, Flores, I think Flores, you kind of read him as initiating it. It's sort of, I, I would gather that it's him. Um, making the choice of when and why and um you know Gressel just has to react to that um but we started seeing Flores dip underneath uh Kamara sometimes just for a moment there was a stretch there where it was for a few solid minutes where he just sort of parked in the middle for a little while um Gressel in those moments when DC was going forward is then going to try and get out not just not necessarily out to the wing what we think of as the wing he's not you know, a yard off the touchline most of the time. is really more in the half space. Um, so he's just maybe five, ten yards out of his normal starting position in in the the central midfield trio. Um, I thought when they got that going, it was easily the best they looked in the game. Um, that's when uh, Felipe has his shot that Irwin saves. That's when uh, it's a minute after that that uh, Gresson Flores combined for a goal that was called back rightly. Um, but it's a, it's a goal that's called back where if the timing is just a little bit better, um, if Flores is just a half second later to step, I think he still gets free. And I think he still scores the goal. Um, so it's a sharpness thing. It's not a, this wouldn't have happened unless he went offside situation. So that's a good sign. That's a, a pretty promising development that that combination led directly to a, an almost goal. Um, that's, you know, it's, it's just a hair off from being a goal that stands. And I think it's fair to say a goal at that stage of the game, we're not looking at the result we ended up with. Um, but you've got to do more than play 20 minutes. And unfortunately the end of the half, Colorado started to, to prevent DC from really being dangerous with that, that new look, um, um, they spent a lot of time that, that the end of the first half was spent a lot of time defending Rapids corner kicks basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the second half, DC couldn't quite get into that same groove again. Um, they did have a little bit of a spell. I, I rewatched some of the game uh, on Sunday and I noticed that the start of the second half wasn't as bad as I thought. Um, it wasn't as good. I don't want to say that it was just as good as that, that good 20 minutes. Um, but there was something there and it just sort of faded away. Um and once Flores came out of the game, it seemed like it was already kind of escaping DC as it was. But um, it's not Assad's fault. Um, but I will say that when um, it's Assad and Segura and Assad's playing left forward and Segura's playing right forward, that dynamic disappears. Segura's not going to drift in to play make and do the stuff that Flores does. Um, so it changes how DC plays. It makes it a little more predictable, and they're going to have to figure out how to do that because we know as Ben has maybe brought up more than anyone on the internet, it's going to be a stretch of time this season where Edison Flores is playing for Peru and not for DC United. Um, And those games, you got to be that stretch of time. You've got to be able to get through it. Now, fortunately there's enough time to sort that out. Um, And in the meantime, they've got to figure out how to apply the strengths of this new dynamic um, for more than 20 minutes, because you generally, you have to play for more than 20 minutes to get a win.
0: Yeah, we saw DC United playing out of the back. Uh, most of the goal kicks were were taken short. This they they weren't just booting the ball up to the wing. Uh, they were trying to find Julian Gressel in the middle um, in transition. And Gressel, as as regular listeners to this show, expected uh, played centrally, not out on the wing, at least as a starting position. And he was, he was asked to play, make, and connect play in there. He was one of two more advanced central midfielders along with Felipe. Um, ben, what are your thoughts on, on Gressel showing here?
2: Well, first, I want to push back on the long balls thing a little bit. I felt like, yeah, maybe Bill Hamid played a lot of balls to the center backs, but I felt like the center backs took a lot of balls long. One of the things I was noticing was that compared to that game against Philadelphia, they were not keeping it on the ground as much. They were kicking it up towards the a lot of Kamara, but also the the forwards playing wide and bypassing the midfield. And I felt like, especially with that wind, it seemed like a stark contrast to what they had done so successfully against the Philadelphia Union. So that yeah, I uh, wonder if some
0: of that was down to the weather, not just. Do um,
2: you think and- you'd want to keep it on the? floor more
0: but when it's that cold out and that windy out it's a lot harder to do those things everything is a little bit harder
2: could be um but going back to gressel i thought i thought some of the uh criticism from people like uh matt doyle at mlssoccer.com is warranted it seemed like he just didn't he he showed the flashes he showed the good passes the good vision that he can have and it just wasn't clicking today. Uh, Some of that may be just not as much experience with Ola Kamara, who didn't start many slash what he started one preseason game, I believe. Uh, He didn't have a lot of time to uh, combine with Edison Flores. Uh, So those are parts of it. I would kind of like to see them uh, flip, have Gressel back out wide where he played for uh, Atlanta and try Floras in the middle which is where we all expected him to be. Uh I, but for Russell I thought it was a, a an okay start. Um he obviously just tries and tries and tries and tries and we know he and we know he has the talent to make all of that pay off. It's just getting him in the right positions and getting him uh starting to combine with the the players around him.
0: I think he was maybe a little bit caught up in the moment trying to play every killer ball. That was what got me. There were so many times where he, he was immediately looking to go in behind or over the top and it almost came off, but not quite because those are not high percentage plays when he was able to find, um, Flores on the run or, or connect with Felipe or, or even Kamara, things went a little better. And sometimes he was able to put that big release, uh, get it off and, and it would work. And his set piece service was, I thought really good. I mean, he had the corner kick on, on the goal that DC United scored and, um, his service into the box was, was really, really good. And they, it was in, I'm, I'm the guy who harps against crosses, but his were a little different because they were early. They were not, I ran out of ideas and everyone is set. So I'm just going to put it into the mixer. He was looking for someone on the run in a situation he thought where he had the advantage. Just, just, Tried to force things a little bit too much, I thought. I, I'm not ready to throw out this idea with him in the middle and Flores outside, especially because Gressel, when he came in, he said, I ultimately want to play in the middle of the park. I don't want to just be a winger or a wingback. I want to be in that central midfield. And I, I think we we did see flashes of, of why that is. Um, I think he's just got to take a breath and calm down and catch up with the game a little bit and he'll be just fine. Um, and I like the dynamic that that interchange with Flores gets, gets us, it creates some interesting matchups and, um, gives you options and allows the angles to change, which is always good. Um, so I, I think he was gassed at the end. I think they all were gassed at the end, but by the time DC United got their goal around the hour mark. It was, um, he, he was, you know, hands on his hips on corner kicks and that kind of stuff. So it was, um. I, I almost wanted to see a sub for him, honestly, because uh, he was running around a lot. And I I don't know that he was quite ready for the cold and the wind and all the work that he was putting in. So Ben Olsen gets a lot more of more
2: than just one sub.
0: Yeah, Ben Olsen gets a lot of flack for not using subs. And a lot of times I'm I'm early to defend him. But um, I, I would have liked to see additional subs in this game, uh, especially once it was clear that the attacking push was no longer there once flores came out
1: i mean i I think the team maybe the two issues you guys just talked about are sort of related um dc was trying to force things and that it was Grasol, but it was also to a certain extent felipe it was certain Mm -hmm. to a certain extent uh
2: segura um and felipe's like long shots especially early just felt like a tone center to me. And I was just like, just, just, just wait a little play, play a little more soccer.
1: Um, yeah, I I do think when you look at the shot map, it's, it's not a very, it's not a very good looking shot map. There's a lot of shots clustered in a very small area of space. That's not in a good spot to be taking shots. Um, on the other hand, the other shots are almost all near the penalty spot. And then there's Kanaus's goal. Um, so they did create a couple of good looking shots. They just, they settled for a lot of bad shots. Um, which is hopefully just an it's early in the season problem and not a, this is going to be one of those years problem. Um, but yeah, I, I think, you know, Gressel, Felipe, Segura, they were all trying to force things. Um, and that in turn, it's taxing because when you force a when you force a ball in behind, you're asking somebody else to make a sprint. Um, and if you keep asking people to make a sprint, you're going to wear them down faster than you are with um, some more consistent possession play. And I think that repeatedly pushing play, pushing the tempo being so in a hurry, especially in the second half. Um, I think it really took DC's legs out from under them. Um, I will say, I think uh, the Rapids looked like the fitter team on the field and, um, And it's not like they were playing. I mean, they were Rapids did something interesting, which was they played a lot. They they piled up a lot of possession, but most of it was just uh, defenders knocking the ball back and forth. Um, But this is something you do on the road. It allows you to conserve some energy for the late stages. Um, And then they press like hell for the end of the game. Right. well, Well, I think I think so. So there's there's a read out there that the Rapids came to the game with this in mind. I don't think they came to the game with this in mind. I think at around the 70th minute they realized that DC had run out of gas and they said well look if if they're going to run out of gas and it's a road game against a non-conference opponent let's go for it what um, the hell yeah and so they did um they brought in uh Diego Rubio I thought their formation at that point was more 442 than 4231 or 4141 which is what they actually played for most of the game Jack Price was you further back and Kellen Acosta was a little further up towards, um, Eunice Namli. Um, but yeah, they, they moved into more of a true four, four, two with Kamara and Rubio up front. Um, Jonathan Lewis came in for Nicholson and just was playing as a standard right midfielder. Um, and they went for it. They, I think it was much more of a sensing an opponent who didn't have a lot left in the tank and, and rolling the dice. Um, and you know, they deserved it. I think the score is fair. Um, and they, they took the game. I said earlier, you can't play for just 20 minutes and expect to win. Um, and I think the Rapids played, they had more of the game than DC. And this was the point where they pushed their advantage to make sure that they came away with more than one point. Um, on the sub usage front on one hand, I think, yes, there needed to be some fresh legs in there. Um, I, I think the, I, you know, the quote that's out there from Olson is that he felt that the team he had on the field was the best set piece defense team, uh, that he had on the field, which is pretty valid against the Rapids. They're the best team at set pieces in MLS, uh, or they were last year. And, and it seems like they're going to be that or close to it again, um, I will say though, yeah,
0: I will. I I want to shout out Jack Price's service, which was yeah,
1: really good. Jack Jack Price keeps himself in the lineup with that service because if you take that away, he's he's a replacement level defensive midfielder. But his set piece play is so good that he has to stay on the field for them. Um, But yeah, when I look at the actual options on the bench, I mean who are you going to bring in that's actually going to shift the specific game that DC saw themselves in, in the final 20 minutes? I would argue O'Neal Fisher uh, coming in uh, is a positive if you can bring him in, but you know, it's not like canals wasn't one of the guys that was running out of gas in the later stages. Um, if you push him into the midfield thinking, Oh, he'll, he'll be more of a ball winner than Felipe or then Moreno. Well, him being tired kind of detracts from that. Um, But at the same time, those other guys were tired. So um, I personally would have preferred to see a sub, but I also, I feel like the bench that DC had for the day, I I don't know that there's, I think it's one of those things where we want to see a sub because we want to see some attempt made to change the game. Uh, But we shouldn't assume that a substitute would have changed this game. Um, And I don't know that, DC's current bench uh, was equipped to change the specific game where we're talking about lots of set pieces, heavy wins, um, not a lot of constructive soccer in either direction in the, the late second half. Um, the Rapids high pressing. It's hard to catch up to the speed of the game when the other team is pressing that late and your teammates are mostly tired. Um, so, yeah, I, I get it. Um, I would have I – th- I feel like the, the biggest reason to bring in one more player – and it would have been in my opinion it should have been fisher would have been the emotional boost um mm-hmm. that right. you know you can you can buy 5 minutes of energy with emotion um right and fisher and would
0: be for everyone fisher would be an emotional boost he's yeah, for, for the uh, whole group
1: not just for the for the, him, whole, group. But for the whole team he's yeah. a
0: beloved member of the team uh in the locker room and i think generally the most positive happy guy you're ever going to meet yeah. um and especially coming back from from a terrible knee injury. They kept him out of basically all of last year. Um, well, getting back on the field would be a huge, huge deal.
2: Yeah, and I know this is FIFA stuff that uh, teams don't typically do in real life, but if you push Knauss forward into a Christmas tree, don't take out any uh, other midfielders, then at least you've got just another body uh back towards the back line, hopefully breaking up play with uh, Fisher in there as well. But really, it comes back down to, and I think Jason uh, just made this case very well. Jason, do you think they should have signed more players?
1: Uh, Yeah, I think they should have signed some more guys. Um, (laughs) You know, uh, there are, we're going to get to some guys that they are, they have or will be signing, but um, it's only one or two, and it could have been three or four, and it would have made a big difference.
0: Let's talk about the goals. Um, DC United did open the scoring. They got the first goal of 2020 at, at Audi Field. So I guess that's something. Um, Russell Knaus heading in a corner from Julian Gressel. And it was – I thought it was a really well-worked um, little bit of movement. The Knauss was – you know, you always see this in corner kicks where there's always an attacking player whose job is basically to stand in front of the keeper and just be an obstacle or, or get a tap in if the ball happens to fall to him canal started the, the corner kick routine there and then just kind of faded back to the back post, um, as, as Gressel played it, um, uh, At the same time, Birnbaum was crashing the back post, which pushed a couple of defenders essentially into uh, Clint Irwin, Colorado's keeper, who flailed at the ball as it went past him, leaving Knauss with a totally free header. It was really clever, subtle and clean. There was no foul. There was nothing dirty about this Um, really well worked corner. Fantastic, really bendy service from from Gressel as well.
1: Yeah, it was it was smart uh, smart stuff. I, I I want I'm not. We talked to Canals after the game. Um, the by we I mean several media members. Um, I'm not sure if this was 100 by design, um, but I think it was. I think the idea here was Canals had two jobs on the play. It's get into the six and be kind of in the way. Um, unfortunately, when you look at the replay, it cuts just as he is like drifting away. Like the first frame is, um, I can't tell who's marking from Colorado, but they're sort of in Irwin's way, but they're not like right on top of Irwin where they're physically making contact with him, which is probably why he, we're not talking about a foul here. Um, but then after that, it's like, okay, get behind the crowd. And if the ball happens to get past the crowd or it happens to bobble and fall loose, uh, after someone in the crowd makes contact, you'll be right there. um, and so it, it's part of good set piece design is you don't want to have it has to go to this one guy so this one thing happens because if something goes wrong with that your set piece is wasted. Um, and in this case, I'm pretty sure this the play the 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 idea here is to find Burnbaum or Briant um, in that that crowd, and it almost it almost happened. Yeah, it's just that it happens to go like an inch too high, um, and Canals. Fortunately, wasn't surprised by it. We've seen that happen a lot where guys, the guy in front of them misses the header by an inch. And then they're like, Oh my God, the ball. Um, and Canal, yeah, he had had good focus. He was ready for it and he knew it was going to be there and he did the job. Um, so that's a pretty big positive. Um, I know he, after the game, he wasn't, uh, he didn't really want to talk about the goal. He broke it down, but he didn't want to talk about it in terms of it being great for him because he's much more concerned with the fact that it ended with a loss. Um, that's much more what he's about. And so he was just like, you know, he explained the goal, but he was like, yeah, but you know, uh, it's not great to score because we lost. Like if I didn't score and we won, that would be better. So, uh, unfortunately that's the way things went, but I do like that against a team with a massive height advantage, you know, the Rapids are a very tall team. Um, DC still managed to have good set piece design to get themselves a goal that didn't rely on just having burn or Briant win a battle with some other six foot five guy. Um, it ended up being a guy that's a normal human height uh, uh, or even maybe slightly below um, <laughs> getting the header. So that, that part is good. And that's, that's a plus. I mean, DC has got to find those goals. Um, it can't be, I don't think this team can afford to be like the 14th, most proficient set piece attack. They need to be better than that. It's got to be uh upper third, I think for this group to actually get to where we hope they can go.
0: Well, they did equal the, the league's best set piece team on the day. So I guess I, am not even going to try to hang my hat on that because <laughs> they lost, but um, Colorado got their own set piece goal. Um, corner kick by Jack price that gets cleared and then recycled. And Jack price puts in a, a slicing service, uh, just brings his right foot across the ball um, to create an in swinger. And uh, Julian Gressel, I think had been marking Kamara for the initial set piece. And then once it recycles, everyone breaks out and kind of gets into their lines. And Kamara had a free run up and, and Frederick Briant uh, jumps for this, but he's not charging to it because he wants to make sure he's in the right spot to get it. And Kamara just flashes in front of him and and bangs it home with his head. And it's tied.
1: Yeah, the this. So I'm glad you're calling this a set piece goal because I've seen some people say, oh, it wasn't a set piece goal because it wasn't on the direct service. No, Uh, it's a recycled
0: set piece. That still counts.
1: Yeah. uh, Defending a set piece involves this second phase just as much as the first phase. Um, And I think this is the perfect is kind of a great way to explain it, because the initial service comes in Ola Kamara, who has a zonal job, he's covering some space. The ball comes right to him. He doesn't even have to move to attack the ball. He actually just plants his feet and heads it. And he does the job. He heads it high and he heads it wide. Um, That part of it was good. No one from Colorado got open. The service was dealt with. The header away was the appropriate header away. Um, Flores has a long way to go to get to the loose ball. And Colorado pretty smartly, uh, I think it's Rosenberry, just uh, Mm -hmm. makes the quick pass. Um, That part, all good. Um, junior Moreno has kind of a long way to get out and cover the cross. And, and he's, it's a tricky position because if he overcommits, if he just goes with a 100% sprint, it's very easy for Jack price to just touch the ball around him, lose him and then have even more space to size up his cross. So Moreno opts for the, the safer approach, which is to just contain and make price serve a ball past him. Um, unfortunately price is really good at that. Uh, where things go wrong is inside the box because the Rapids are big on leaving their guys forward. Yeah. Um, they take this risk. They say um, we're good enough at set pieces where if we think we're going to win the initial clearance and get a second bite at this, our guys are all staying up. We're not going to see Lala Abubakar sprinting 90 yards back and not even checking over his shoulder to see if there's another play here. And in fact, that you can watch a Bubakar get to the top of the box and then look and say, Oh, I shouldn't leave. I, I better stay up. And they all stay up. And unfortunately for DC, all of their players are sucked to the near post, and the Rapids have four guys at the back post with no one really uh, in a good position to defend all of them. And you see, you know, Briant gets touched tight to one guy, but then, uh, or not, that's not Briant. Um, it might be Bomb here. It's, it gets kind of blurry because the, Replays on the MLS website aren't really in very high quality uh, definition for some <laughs> reason. Um, but in any case, no one picks up Kai Kamara. When this ball comes in, he gets a free run at the ball. And if you give or, Kai and- Kamara a free run of the ball, he will score goals.
2: And it seemed like a lot of, like, DC United's defenders were still in the box, but it seemed like a lot of their midfielders had moved just past the 18, like getting ready to, uh, Spring the attack to move into the attacking phase of uh soccer, and I think there was only like three or four d c United defenders in the box at the moment the goal is scored and because Colorado left their guys up, they had equal to superior numbers in d c United's own box just because the rest of the guys were trying to transition to that next phase, but didn't uh the ball didn't yeah. get cleared out they didn't they didn't finish the job there.
1: Right. That there's an overcommitment um, towards countering um, in that moment. And it's not I mean, the guys from D.C. do end up still in the box, but they uh, there's four guys that are not in line with the Rapids three main attackers that go for this ball. Um, and it's because they've overcommitted. They've they've assumed that because the first clearance was good, that now is the time to spring the counter. And there's not really, you know, it's a failure to read that. Flores it never has a chance to win the race to this ball. He just there's too much ground for him to cover versus too little ground for Rosenberry to cover. Um, it's as simple as that. Um, and when you see that, what you should be doing is saying they're going to get a second chance at this. I'm not even uh, thinking counter. I'm thinking mark, mark up, up again. Um, right. But DC I think got a little over eager, and this might also be where the fitness thing starts to come in. This this strikes me as a goal given up by a team that's a little tired. Um, because it's that little bit of fatigue decision-making that leads to a bunch of guys over committing to a counter rather than thinking, Oh, there's no counter here. The job right now is to make sure that this second ball doesn't turn into danger. Um, and at no point, it's not point just, is,
0: it's not just your muscles that slow down when you're right. tired.
1: Yeah. You turn dumb. We've all done it. You get tired mm-hmm. and, and you just, you can't think correctly anymore or not as fast as you used to. Um, and yeah, you know, it's a simple thing in the end. Like I said, it's Kai Kamara getting a free run at the ball uh, and heading it home. And no one gets in his way. No one makes him have to step around them. No one's tracking him. Um, Briant is already kind of in that space. Like he he doesn't have a chance to really go attack Kamara right. because he's already there. He's already where the ball's coming. And so that gives Kamara the advantage because he's on the move, whereas Briant is is still Um, And there's not much he can do there that isn't going to be called as a foul. If he decides to step earlier and just like shoulder check Kamara, that's going to be a penalty. Um, So yeah, the whole thing is a structural error based on a little bit of just over eagerness to break out on the counter that quite frankly, they should have known better.
0: The last goal in stoppage time, Jonathan Lewis, a game of follow the bouncing ball. It just kept going and not getting cleared out. And eventually he just lashes it home. Um, there, there was, it, it, if you want to see DC United defenders look tired, this is the play to do it. I don't know why you would want to see that if you're a listener to this podcast, but if, if that's your thing um, watch, watch the last goal in this game. Um, Colorado players dribbled through defense, uh, poor clearance from Russell Knauss that that put it back, in front of goal. I don't know that he had another option um, if he could have sent it out, but just the angle of his body, um, just trying to interrupt play and then just players throwing their bodies around. And eventually the ball finds its way to Jonathan Lewis, who, who puts it home. Um, He actually blocked uh, one of his teammates (laughs) shots at one point during this sequence before putting the final ball in. It was a, it was a bizarre unlucky, but not undeserved uh, finish.
1: Yeah. DC was so tired at this point that, um, what leads into the sequence is actually Hamid having to make a tremendous save to yeah. give up a corner to keep the score at one, uh, one, one. And then the play you just mentioned, um, where I can't remember whose shot it was, but yeah, it's a, it's going into the goal. It's a mosquito that has a shot that's probably going in that hits Lewis, uh, who is not suspecting it. Um, but then amid the chaos, you know, Briant actually makes a pretty good challenge to prevent Rubio from having the tap in. um, it's just that then the ball falls to Lewis and he's the first to react because he's been on for five minutes and everyone else is, is dog tired. Um, You know, it's, it's a frustrating goal to give up, but it's a goal that I think a lot of people felt was coming. Um, You know, this whole, the whole stoppage time, it just looked like it was one of those games where you're like, I hope they just blow the whistle soon because this is not going. The best case scenario for this game is for it to end a little too early and finish one, one. Um, yeah Yeah. uh it's it's tough but also when you're this tired uh this is what happens it probably makes you wonder why they're this tired and and um like i said before maybe maybe that one move could have been a boost but um in in any case there's also just some pretty elementary stuff going into it that um this chance should never happen um but when you're tired, you make mistakes that you would never make, and here we are.
2: Is this confirmation bias, or does it seem like D.C. United teams sometimes get tired or faster than other teams? Because I feel like other teams can press either more or more effectively, and D.C. United teams have been more tired or think tired in the past, to continue a press over a, the course of a game.
0: Well, D.C. United's never really been a team to try pressing – hard in a sporting KC or Red Bulls kind of way. Um, but it used to be that they would give up the ball and let the other team lost <laughs> possession. And when you're constantly running on defense, you don't have a chance to take a playoff in the attack on, on the weak side. You don't have a chance to just set yourself up in the right zone to keep the ball moving. You're constantly running from side to side and stepping out and falling back. And that takes a toll on you over the course of a game. Sure. Pressing is different. Um, not that they were pressing hard this entire game, but there were a lot of sprints that Kamara and Flores and Segura in uh, the fullbacks were having to make, um, and Felipe and Gressel were also making sprints because they they were pressing the other team on goal kicks and and on back passes. Yeah. So, and when Colorado was holding the ball in defense, that's. They didn't want to. DC United was careful not to overcommit to one side of the field or the other, but they were pressing high uh, for for stretches of this. And I think with the the cold and the wind and and everything else, and, and maybe just going a little too hard on those sprints early in the game, it just built up over the course of the the first seventy minutes, and they hit a wall.
1: I I think they just didn't show much composure during the course of the game and much patience during the por- course of the game. Um, I do think it's a little bit of confirmation bias uh, to directly answer Ben's question. I think last year they, they seemed a little tired last year because they spent so much of the season being the defensive team um, and not taking the initiative. And so they sort of... Um, put themselves in the more tiring position or the the position that tends to be more tired. They accepted it because there were tactical risks of playing the other way, which was the early part of the season when things were going wrong um, and the results were bad. Um, So yeah, I, I, I think this specific game um, it's more what they did with the ball than anything else. Um, But I am very interested to watch next week. If they, uh, apply themselves correctly and they still start to get tired anyway, then I am I would start to get a little more concerned. But I think this week at least it was an inability to control the tempo of the game correctly um, is what tired them out. They sort of allowed themselves to get tired out by the way that they let the game get played as slash how they chose to play the game. Um, I think ahead. that's right.
2: And, and I don't know if Ben Olsen said this in other venues, but I know he said – on the broadcast before the game, he said that this year he wanted to the team to control more possession so that they didn't get have to expend as much energy defending as they had in years past. So it's definitely something on his mind as well that was just not executed in this game.
0: Yeah, I, I'm going to assume that, that the video study this week is going to have a, a pretty healthy section on choosing your moments and knowing what to look for and making sure everyone's on the same page on when that ball in behind is on and when it's better just to connect and hold some possession and make the other team chase for a little while because United has the skills and the talent to make the other team chase when they want to. They just have to do it. Um, and that's, that's always the trick, but um, they, they have to be brave enough to try it um, and not just look for that killer ball and that, that straight ahead speed every time and, We'll see what happens next week. Um, and we'll get to that in in a little bit. First, though, some news. DC United has officially signed Federico Iguain. PIPA is a member of the Black and Red, uh, signed as a player and a coach. Um, I, I read somewhere, development coach specifically. I don't yeah, know. That,
1: that's in the press release.
0: Oh, that's in the press release. Okay. Yeah. I don't know what that means necessarily, uh, whether he's going to be working with Academy kids or Loudon kids or young players on the first team or what I think it's all of the
1: above. Um, yeah, I, I think he's, I think he could be, I mean, I'll say from the post game, um, when he was in the locker room in street clothes, um, once players were coming out of the shower and had gotten their, um, interviews out of the way and everything, he was having a discussion with Joseph Mora about something and he was referring to, you know, my Spanish is pretty bad. Um, <laughs> I make no assumptions. So take this with a huge boulder of salt. But he had his hand spread and he was pointing at the channels between uh, his four fingers, um, which says to me, when you're talking about talking to a defender, you're probably talking about a back four and defending certain things in the channels. Um, so I think it's it's an across the board thing because. um with his career, with his achievements, uh, the fact that he is comfortable speaking English and Spanish. um, I think just about anyone in that locker room um, is going to benefit from hearing from him for even, even if it's just small things, if it's like, Hey, next time shape your body like this, instead of like that. um, And you'll lose a defender or anything like that. Um, So yeah, I'm sure that they want him uh, to spend a special amount of time with some of these promising young players, um, but I, I don't think he's only going to be focused on the homegrown guys. I think it'll be, uh, an across the board, uh, support thing for the entire coaching staff and the entire group.
0: Uh, I I think it's worth noting, uh, for anybody who's relatively new to MLS, Federico Iguain uh, played for the Columbus crew for what, eight years there. Yep. Uh, is there the only member of the 50, 50 club for them? He has something like s- 50-something goals, 60-something assists over that time. Pretty good return. Uh, Spent most of last year hurt. uh, Tore his ACL. He's going to be doing some fitness for...
1: He tore his ACL in May. So, um, yeah, he he is pretty close. um, Yeah. To being able to participate in some way. Now, it wouldn't shock me if he ended up having a couple build-up games with Loudon, just for fitness purposes, but we'll see. That's that's down the road enough where it's more of a speculative thing.
0: Can I just say... people Iguain dunking in usl it sounds super fun <laughs>
1: yeah i i feel bad for the you know the random guy from like a another like another mls clubs uh loud and equivalent um going up against to? yeah going up against iguain for even even for 15 20 minutes is going to be pretty rough for them uh in terms of a mental test but that's why those teams exist is to go play um you know, grown ass men who have been through a lot, uh, as pros. Yeah, it's and, a developmental and challenge. Right. We have to do so, it. um, but yeah, he, uh, I, I, you know, it's, it's, it's a good thing to see him already. Um, even before the official announcement, you know, doing the job. Uh, I mean, I assume I'm going to, we're recording this on Monday training for open media training is Tuesday. Um, I'm assuming he's going to be out there doing actual training because up until this announcement, I think they were trying to um not have him out and out and about on the training field because he's not technically a club employee at that point. Um but we'll see. I, I'm interested to see what he's doing, whether it's just stuff on the side or his rehabilitation program has him still working out at the you know the gym, which the gym used to be an RFK, but it's now half of what used to be the press conference room. Um, which led to an interesting thing last week. I was trying to um, speak with, uh, Steve Birnbaum and I ended up in the media room and there's just a lot of loud music and there's a doorway between the, 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 the room itself has a doorway next to it that you can't see beyond. Um, so I wasn't exactly sure where the new gym was. And I was like, I guess this must be the gym. So I had to ask him, I was like, what's going on next door? And he's like, Oh, that's the gym now. That's what well, we got. Uh, the music though. I was like, all right, <laughs> it makes sense. Got to um, have the music in the gym. Yeah. Exactly. You know, ho- hopefully Iguain is close, I would hope, you know, if Steve got reporting,
0: he's about six weeks of um, fitness work away.
1: That that puts us at mid-April when he might start to be in contention. And if you want a game changing sub uh, for
2: this group, that is a game changing sub, especially he'll be necessary for the uh, I think it's a thousand games they have in May. (laughs) (laughs) It's yeah, May is is yeah.
1: Um, Yeah, he'll definitely have to start some games in that stretch of time. Um, just to keep everybody from f- collapsing due to overuse. Um, if we want this team, and I think we all want this team to to make a run in the Open Cup, um, having a guy like Iguain that can start on a Wednesday night in the Open Cup, that's a big deal. Um, because in the past, it's been like, well, Lucho and Wayne need to rest. So we've got like a guy that's not even a number 10 playing as a sort of a fake number 10 just because. Let's what put Shigura up do? top. See what happens. Um, And now in this case, we have one of the best number 10s in MLS for the last decade who, who wasn't playing badly. Um, The reason the crew let him go is that they've become a little more transition based. um, And he's not really that guy anymore. Um, But his role here is different. You know, he, he DC also wants to be more transition based, but he is that change of pace. Um, He is a guy that can change the way the game is being played for you. So that, that, Contrast is not actually a problem. It's actually a feature, not a bug is what I would look at it as. So um, hopefully this is Columbus's loss and DC's gain. Uh,
0: a couple other news items to get to, I guess this one's more report than news, but uh, United reportedly close to signing Mohammed Abu, another former crew cl- crew midfielder. Um, this one of the defensive variety would come in and add some depth there. Um, if, if, you remember uh, D.C. United was targeting a French center back, uh, Bakaya Debassi. He went down injured for his club, Amiens. Um, probably no longer a, a target, at least in the immediate term. Uh, Eric Sorga, the Estonian forward um, who signed with Loudoun United, uh, has officially been transferred up to D.C. United. His, his contract has been... Uh, confirmed and and he got all the paperwork done so he's now a member of dc united not Loudoun united yeah. and this jason happened very very late on friday night
1: yeah i, I asked around uh for, with the club about exactly when that cleared because when i woke up was when I, I woke up and i saw the email um if i'm not mistaken the email's waiting for me when i first checked my computer um yeah it came or i guess it came a little later it came at 11:45 a.m but uh Apparently they got the clearance about 12 hours before that. So like 1145 PM the night before the game um, was when they finally got the full everything signed off and done. Uh, So yeah, they entered Friday evening, not being 100% sure whether he could be in the 18 or not. Um, I don't know what they would have done if he was not in the 18. I I assume that it would have been Griffin Yao getting that last spot in the 18, but who knows um but yeah it, it it went down to the wire but they got it uh so at least i mean hopefully we'll see him in the near future um he's another player that you could argue maybe might have merited some inclusion in the final 10 minutes even if just to have one more guy out there with fresh legs
2: i really wish they had been able to have the uh like the transfer press relief a- release as transferred from loudon united to-, <laughs> to dc united Right. Oh, that
1: the would very dramatic uh transfer between a club where both teams are attached. Yeah.
0: I mean you have you have those between Bologna and um Montreal Impact. You have them between the various city football groups and
1: oh, but those Red are Bull. The, I, I'm teams. sure the ownership groups there are on paper totally separate entities and not definitely just one dude. Fair. <laughs> um
2: I it's think two that's different it. registered Delaware corporations. Jason. Yeah,
0: you know. <laughs> they share a same agent though, Ben something, something uh, that is it for, for this episode. Please check back later in the week. If you're a Patreon supporter of ours, just check Patreon because it'll be up around the same time as this episode for our, uh, our next one, which will be uh, an interview with uh, SFL Herons uh, TV podcast uh, that we'll touch on miami fc and what to look for this weekend thank you all for inter miami cf i guess there you go um (laughs) i don't know i'm i'm just miami has a lot of teams yeah i'm just speaking without uh thinking right now there's the (laughs) miami fc that's i don't know maybe i was confusing with them hope don't tell the guys from sfl herons they would be mad about that i think I think i assume i don't know i'm gonna get out of here now we're gonna end this episode uh find us at black and patreon.com slash filibuster if you want to support us financially we're on twitter at filibuster dcu at black and for the website send your emails to filibuster podcast at gmail.com download subscribe rate review wherever you get your podcasts mostly though just tell a friend about the show when you're talking about dc united just mention the, the podcast and maybe we'll get a new listener out of it and we will be eternally grateful Thanks again for listening. I'm Adam for Jason and Ben. We'll talk to you again real soon. Say goodbye, Jason.
1: Uh, I don't have anything funny to say. I'm sorry. Got a little tired there.